for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to lower earthly reigns? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let me ask you, do you answer all the phone calls you receive nowadays? If anyone answers all the phone calls, especially your smartphone, raise your hand. I doubt. <laughs> You may not, right? We may not. Because you, we getting many unwanted calls. But sometimes, by doing so, we miss important calls. Maybe your family member or friend changed her phone number and you don't know the number, so you don't answer. So you miss it. But have you ever God called you and you missed it? Have you ever God called you? And when was the last time you answered when God called you? It is simply we are here because we are called by God. In today's scripture reading, Paul urges Ephesians to live a life of worthy of the calling they received. Maybe they didn't live the life of worthy of calling they received. But what about today's Christian? Do we live the life of worthy of calling from God? 
And what is the life of worthy of the calling? What is the life of worthy of the calling? And Paul introduced himself as a prisoner for the Lord. Over and over, all in his letters, over and over. He keeps saying this because the life of Christian has no freedom of their own any longer. We don't have freedom our own any longer. But we have true freedom in the imprisonment of Christ. That's what we answer. That's what we choose to be imprisonment of Christ. I know sometimes we try to have some of the freedom, the old freedom in us. Are you free in Christ? And what is it like to be living in the prison of the Lord? Paul says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I mean, more and more, like today, nowadays, it's impossible to be like that, right? Be gentle, be patient, and bear with the people. And the unity, even as a nation, our nation, I don't know when was the last time we had a unity in our nation. I mean, it's not only our country, but many, all Every, every nation is like that. But this is who we are originally. We are originally created to be humble, gentle, patient, and peace. But the original sin destroyed us. Destroys who we are originally and separate us from God. Which means the war began with God and the people and His creation, the nature, even nature. We started this war because we had to compete with others. We, because we have a limited resource. Because we are separated from the Lord, we do not trust God, so we had to fight with the nature as well. We've been doing well, right? We pioneered with courage and confidence. We invented things and we studied. Now we're with this all technology and civilization. But this is not what God originally intended us to be. But we, so we've been fighting to survive in the broken world of sin. But Jesus came 
and ended the war on the cross. So we must stop this fighting, stop the fight, and live as we are originally designed, right? Because the war is over. Then what is humble? How can we live humble? Humble means distrust myself. Not trusting myself, but trust God. Because we acknowledge God is our creator. Again, God is our Lord, our King. Now. So God is in control in all in all. That's what we trust. That's what we believe. That's what we are originally designed. We acknowledge, we confess that we cannot trust ourselves. We cannot trust this world. And finally, ultimately, we are not the Lord of our life. God is the Lord of our life. So we can be gentle, patient to others. Because the war is over, we don't have to fight with them anymore. Let me explain you this way. I love hiking, and I love biking. Yesterday I went uh, with Paul, my wonderful uh, biking friend, my new biking friend. We took the trail here from Ephrata to Lidit. It was a beautiful day. You should. You should try. You should maybe walk. It's a beautiful day. And my favorite place, actually there are many in Pennsylvania, and I love Outer Bank as well. I love the camping and hiking in um, like Rickettsch Glen. Do you know Rickettsch Glen? The state park? Rickettsch Glen. Yeah, Rickettsch Glen. <laughs> yeah, there's waterfalls and just beautiful, right? If you've been there. People there, quiet peaceful, enjoying their time, right? Just beautiful, right? I don't even remember. I, I pay for the camping, but I don't know. They're charging for admission. But anyway, it's not a fortune to go to State Park, right? You love it. I love it. But what if I own the Ricketts Glen? I'm the owner of the Rukech Glen. Then everything changed, right? I have to take care of it. I have to maintain it. I have to manage it. And maybe I have to watch and guard the, the part, Rukech Glen, 24-7. Because maybe some other people just come in trespassing my Rukech Glen. And, right? That's what I'm saying. We acknowledge our God is the owner 
of this nature in my life. But when we try to be the owner or the Lord of the world, my career, my business, my life, my health, my family, then it turned to hell. There's no more peace. People, people without freedom in Christ, they try to own their world, possess whatever precious and has value. It is just endless competitions, war with others. We cannot be gentle or patient in the war. So Jesus Christ, he said, very clear and simple, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. But our nature, our sinful nature, our desire just keep taking the yoke of ours. Even though it's heavy, it make our life miserable, but we try to keep our yoke. But friends, let's take off the heavy yoke. It's pointless. And let's take the yoke of Jesus. Yes, I'm not saying the yoke of Jesus is easy, neither. Because it requires sacrifice. Maybe it's an old rugged cross. The way to the cross, Calvary. Living for others. It's not easy. But Jesus confidently saying to us, this is easy. This is easy. So take off your yoke. So Paul said, there is one body one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. When we stop the war, when we acknowledge God is the owner, master, then we can be one. Then we can be one. We try to keep our own, my position, this is my life, this is my family, this is my world, this is my career, this is my money. Then we cannot be one. Paul is saying not just the church is one, but the whole world, the entire human race, and even include nature, we are all one. This is the message of a church. This is the main message of a church. Not just that Jesus died on the cross for my salvation. This is the message of a church. So, church must be the role model. Church must be the, the example being one first. 
But this, 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 this oneness is not like to, totalitarian one. It's a mouthful word, totalitarian, with the dictatorship, right? This oneness. Church is different, diverse, but we're one because we are harmonious one. Harmonious one. God created all things being harmonious. Right? That's why we have an ocean. That's why we have a river. That's why we have a forest. Right? To work together. That's why we even have uh, insects, right? Animals. You know, I tried to be a musician a long time ago, and I studied harmony, the book of harmony. And then I learned that harmony. In music, people, like those people, like Bach or I mean, Beethoven or Mozart, maybe, maybe predecessor of them, they discover, they discover, it's more of physics, they discover certain tones. Together, they produce delight sound to hear. But certain tones together produce unpleasant sound, discord, right? Right? So we have a perfect chord. Actually, the, I studied with the, my music teacher, bring your hymn, hymn book. Because the per, hymn has a perfect chord, the basic chord. C, D, E, you know, G7, you know, those basic chords. I'm saying this a lot, but I'm really being bad, but you know, the experience, you go to like a third grade orchestra concert. You know what I'm saying, what the discord is like, right? But when they become senior in high school, how awesome they are. Amazing, right? That's the power of education, right? So what I'm saying is, even in the music, it's everywhere, but in music, in the sound, there's a law. Unless we follow the law, we cannot make a pleasant sound. So we must keep the law, the harmony, even in church, in our society. We can make beautiful society in church and even family. We're keeping the law of God. Without keeping the law of God, there is no harmony. There's no beauty, there's no pleasant, there's no happiness. So one church means we support each other, we embrace each other, we accept each other. We, we do not judge each other, but we embrace each other, our differences, to make harmony. Everyone, we're all different, but everyone we need. So this is the dream. This is the dream of God. We're called to participate. 
making harmony. One church, one. Is somebody back there? Right? It's a, it's a technical issue, right? It's a, no one's back there. Yeah. There's a day like this, right? But we can be all harmonious with all this. So God called us to participate in this dream. And God didn't just call us to be in church worship or Bible study, but God gives us a gift to do this dream together. What is the gift? There are many. But ultimately, we have this gift to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may build up Build up. To build up people, we have these gifts. What is your gift for working, works of the service to build each other up? Right? It's not just preaching on pulpit or, you know, reading scripture in the lectern or ushering, but we have so many. I think it was the first week I was here. Joan. Sorry, I, I'm not going to ma- mention you, but, but you're the one watering all the flowers out there. What's a hot day? Was it July? <laughs> the first week of July. It was a hot day. And she's watering all the flowers. And she takes care of all the flowers. What's the, what's the flower we have, many flowers we have? Those many flowers we have, that golden something, right? We have many flowers, and she takes care of it, right? We are giving, you know, welcome, Greg, welcoming everyone in the morning, in the parking lot, rain or shine, snow or sunny, Greg welcoming people in the parking lot, amazing, Right? You can bake cookies and cakes for gathering. You can even set up chairs and tables for meeting, important meetings. And you can even cut grass at church farm. You know, we have a lot of grass there. Even we have a two or lawn more. So you, your gift. So there's no job too small, but or too big in church. Every job, every ministry, every service is all great in first church. They're all equal, including myself. We can serve God with our gifts. And while we serve, Paul says, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Son of God and become mature, Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this unity, right? Sounds like impossible unity in our society, but this unity is not imposing others in church are my faith. You believe this way. No, not that way. But yes, Jesus is the keystone. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. In Christ, 
we can bring unity without imposing what I believe. But we have to be patient and gentle to each other because we are different. That's why John Wesley for Methodist Church encouraged use four quadrilateral we call scripture, Bible, our tradition, all the prophets, all the church fathers writing, the reason and experience. Through four ways, we can be unity. At the end, we must trust God. Because we face our experience, our reason, our scripture, our you know, tradition, we hold limitations. So we, tr- we have to trust God to reach the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And this is the guidelines, the basics, the basic, the four marks of church. We have to have these four of church. Kerygma, proclamation. Church must proclaim the word of God. Didake, didake. We have to educate us, children and adults, the way of a Christian. We have to educate people. And koinonia, church, koinonia is not just having just, you know, church dinner or something, you fellowship, just having great time. No, it is a fellowship means it's more of a discipleship. It is being communion, community of accountability. We have to be accountable to each other. It's hard to be accountable to each other. But that's how Methodist Church grew, 1700. Accountability, diacon, I mean, koinonia. And the last, diaconia, I shared with you last week. Servant, being a servant, we must serve each other. So these are the foundation of a church, any church. So do we have all full at first church? So the dynamic of four marks of church is the key to the life of a church. We have to balance it. We have to all of them. The goal is that we are no longer be infants, tossed back and forced by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Just like the people outside a church without Christ, we Christians' lives full of huge waves and calamities, stormy days. But we must face our calamities, our challenges confidently because we are disciples. We are more of a warrior. We are more of soldiers. Like those firefighters went up to the World Trade Center that day, September 11, 2001. We have to be soldier, warrior. We are not the crowd. We are not the crowd. You know in the gospel what happened to those crowds, 3,000, 4,000 crowds of Jesus Christ. They point a finger at Jesus 
a week later, crucify him, crucify him. I don't know him. Crucify him. Now the crowds. So the church, we church, then we can speak in the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Nowadays, everybody speaks. Through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. There's so many ways to speak. But we know they are not all truth. But we are swayed by those speaks. But we church must speak the truth in love and we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is at is the head, the Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Right? That's why we're together. Everybody has a gift. But you have to have a desire to serve. You're not here on Sunday sitting on the pew. Well, I did my duty today for this week. If you have that peace, if you have that confidence, if you have that unity, if you have that love, if you have that sincere, authentic relationship with God, I'm fine with you. Just come Sunday and sitting in the pew and go home. Live another week. If you are consciously, you are okay with God. But if you, if you have the emptiness, if you have something, something is not right, then you have to serve. You have to be involved in Christ. We are in the ditch. A lot of people think they are not, but we are all in the ditch. This world is a ditch. And we are in the ditch. The only way we got out, get out of the ditch is when we depart from this body. And we are in the ditch because of reason. We have a reason to be in the ditch. Being with the people. Different people. Unknowable people. Unknowing people. Violent people. Evil people. Deceiving people. That's our fate. God called us to be with them. So sisters and brothers in Christ, the body of Christ. We are called, you are called, I am called to be church, to speak the truth. Truth about God, truth about myself, truth about other people, so the world will know who God is, who I am, who we are, and who they are. Their fate. There's no mirror. There's nothing they can compare their life to find out who they are, their faith. Because church is closing. Church is not being church. 
They don't know their fate. They are forgiven eternally by Jesus Christ on the cross, but they must call the name of Christ for the eternal salvation. Amen? But they don't know their faith, so they don't call. They don't desire to call the name of the Lord. And there's no salvation. Nowadays, even many preachers, there's no hell. There's no salvation. There's no, no condemnation. No. No. That pardoning without accepting Christ is not the cure or antidote for them. Remember, we are the first church. God entrusted people here and your co-worker, your family member, your nephew and nieces, your cousins and your brother, your parents. God entrusts them to you and me for this truth. We must speak truth to them. It is our mission. We can, we have a courage to go even Kenya, helping people in the Sierra Leone, Guatemala, wherever. But we don't have that gut to speak the truth to our brothers and sisters, your siblings, your parents, your children, your co-workers. Because of federal law? Is there really an excuse God will take it? Oh, you're being politically correct. Yeah, I understand. Is God really say that? Is God really political? No. There's no excuse. Remember, we are church. God entrusted these people to you. We don't have much time for them. So you and I, we are called for this reason. And God is calling every day, today. So let's answer his call. Amen.